0: Now, I want to make note of, uh, this is a special time of the church year, if you're not familiar. So the four weeks leading up to Christmas are a time called Advent. There's always a color like this, this rich purple regal color. Uh, Advent is the time we prepare for the coming of the King the becoming of the one Jesus who will be the king foretold to us through the Hebrew scriptures to fulfill the expectations that we have of the king returning to his rightful reign. Uh, We celebrate that throughout the season of Advent. Advent here at First United Methodist Church has a theme. We're calling it First Light. What I'm going to be doing over the course of this month is giving you little things I want you to think about over and over and over again as you see lights right? This is a light, heavy time, right? We've got them on our houses, we've got them on the grills of our car, we've got them roving throughout our sweaters. This is a heavy, light time of year, right? And one of the things that I want you to think about over and over and over again as you're experiencing all these light, lights both inside the church and inside your home and inside your life, I want you to be relating them to different concepts. And this week, what I want you to be thinking about each and every time you see one of these twinkling little lights is the idea of love. right, light as the idea of love. In particular, I want you to be thinking about uh, light and love in ways that you might not always do. Uh, Particularly, I want you to think about the idea of light and love in two things that they carry in common. One is the idea that both light and love have a source. And two is the idea that both light and love have a sort of power. It is something and it does something those of you that are new to the gathering, while I write and I talk about 50% of the time, I do something wrong and everyone laughs at me. Not today. <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> one of the things I want you to think about with the idea of light, and it's really simple, is the idea that light has to have a source and all the light that we see around us is reflected, it's passed on, it's received and it's given away, right? Each and every one of you looking at me, seeing me right now, I, ha- I do not emanate any sort of light. When I give off no light whatsoever. All of the light that you're seeing coming into your eyes is sourced somewhere else. Some of it coming through the back windows is from the sun. Some of it is coming from the overhead lights, these weird drop-shaped looking things. I have no idea what they are. Apparently, they were popular in some era of design. All of these lights, uh, the really hot lights that are coming down from the front, where I shouldn't have worn a sweater because I knew it was going to be hot up here. When you see me sweating, it's December. I'm going to wear a sweater, even though I'm under the hot lights. All these lights are sourced somewhere else. They're actually received by me and given off, received by the lenses of your eyes, through your optical nerves, into your brain, flipped upside down, decoded into some sort of meaningful signal, right? The light has to come from a source. It has to be received before it can be reflected and given away, right? That is a characteristic of light. I want you to realize that that is not a characteristic that's limited just to light of course, right? The idea that something must be received, uh, must be come from somewhere else, be received, and then sent on is uh, not unique to just light. I want to give you an example. I asked two uh, members of our congregation who I knew were not brave enough to say no to me, to volunteer to uh, serve as an example during the service. Uh, Those of you who I knew would say yes when I asked you, would you please stand up and come forward? If everyone would give them a round of applause for their willingness... Yeah, this is is Julie Compton and Dave Alvarado. Uh, They've been trained theologically for this. Uh, We had 40 hours of preparation. It was incredibly intense. There was a training montage that we recorded, it was excellent. So, I have something uh, with me that's very special. It is a $2 bill. I have a $2 bill, and on the back of the $2 bill uh, are the words, God bless you. It's a $2 bill with God bless you on it. Uh, These actually come from David Moore. Right here, who every month goes to the. I didn't tell him I was going to embarrass him, but welcome to the gathering. Uh, David goes to the bank every single month, gets a whole bunch of these two-dollar bills, writes "God bless you" on them, and he gives them to kids when he sees them living out God's love in the world. Right? Isn't that true? What a sweetheart! Everyone say "aw" for David. Aw, right? Isn't that cool? Like, what kid doesn't freak out when they see a two-dollar bill that's awesome with "God bless you" on it? I have one with me today because he gave it to my son and I took it from him, (laughs) which is fine, which is fine because he doesn't know, (laughs) right? I'll get it back, certainly. I have this. I have received this. It has been given to me. Uh, I would now like to share it. I would now like to give it on. Julie, I would like to give you this $2 bill. That's wonderful. Julie, now having received this $2 bill, Julie, why don't you share that same gift with Dave? Right. Wonderful. Having received can pass it on. How'd that feel? Feel good to receive? Feel good to give? That sounds great. Give them another one. No. That feels great. Well, where do you get those from? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Give them another one. Yeah. That's great. Give them another one. Give them another one. one. Very good. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. Very good. Right. What kind of church do you think this is? That's it. We got no more and Dave now having received them is free to what? Give them back. Is free to give them back having returned to the source. But how you couldn't you couldn't give them away until you had first what? Received. Mm-hmm. You couldn't give it away until you had first received. Thank you very much. What a what a complicated theological point <laughs> made possible by these heavily trained volunteers. <laughs> Today's service has a uh, a very simple message that is going to involve a very stupid illustration which you have already seen. It's a very complicated theology uh, and a very long piece of scripture and a strong left turn. Uh, So let's get into it. If you would now please turn with me uh, in your Bibles to the uh, epistle of 1 John 4. 1 John 4. I'm going to be reading from this epistle today. If you're turning in your own Bible, you don't have page numbers that match ours, 1 John 4 is probably going to be within 10 or 15 pages from the very end of your Bible. Um, it's It's a very small collection of epistles toward the end of the New Testament account uh first john four is um first john is uh it comes before second john you're welcome and uh its author is not entirely known but the language is so similar to the gospel writer the gospel written by john uh that we usually ascribe them to the same uh functions john's writing to a community john is writing to a community of people he's writing to a community of new christians right, who have come to follow Christ. They've become, uh, they've become to to understand uh, who God is and who Jesus is and what God has done through Christ. And John is writing to them and he's teaching them. And what he needs to them to understand when they're talking so heavily about love, right, the concept of love is that love is something and it does something, right, in their lives, in the life of the community and everyone else that they follow. But he also needs to understand the concept that love has a source, right? Love has a source. Too often when we talk about love, when you talk about love in real Hallmark movie kind of ways, right? It's just a feeling, or it's just an emotion, right? It's something that can just be captured by songs. It kind of lives and dwells in that area. I need you to think about love as something much more, particularly when we're thinking about God's love and God's love in the world, right? God's love is something. God's love does something. God's love makes something. God's love changes something, right? It's not just an emotion. It's not just a feeling. It's a power, all right, that's what John's talking about here in 1 John 4. Hear these words with me. Dear friends, he says, writing in 1 John 4, 7, let's love each other because love is from God. If you're a writer or an underliner, why don't you underline this with me? Love is from God, and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. This is how we know that it's true. This is how we see it. This is how we understand it. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love each other, God remains in us and his love is made perfect in us. This is how we know we remain in him and he remains in us because he has given us a measure of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. If any of us confess that Jesus is God's son, God remains in us and we remain in God. We have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love. God is love, John writes, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. This is how love has been perfected in us so that we can have confidence on the judgment day because we are exactly the same as God is in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear expects punishment. The person who is afraid has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. There's an underline one. We love because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates a brother or sister, he's a liar, because the person who doesn't love a brother or sister who can be seen can't love God who can't be seen. This commandment we have from him. Those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture. Thanks be to God. Be to God. John's writing and teaching his community that God is love. Right? God is not uh, some negative power. Remember the religious context that they're speaking in? So much language of gods that can be feared, right? gods that have to be placated, uh, gods that cause worry, fear, destruction. God is love. The very nature of God is love. John writes, and more than that, John is the source of love. We're going to have a stupid illustration, we're going to have a really long scripture reading, and we're going to have some extremely complicated theology. Are you ready? (laughs) Welcome to the gathering. God is love. God is love. God is love. That's not just something simple that we say, right? That's not postcardy stuff. Captured in that is one of the most complicated theological ideas I'm ever going to ask you to tackle in a worship service, and that is the very nature and being of God, right? God's Trinitarian self. When we talk about the Trinity, so often we talk about it in context of what we call in theological circles the economic Trinity. That is, what is the interaction between the triune nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? You've been there before. Now, that was supposed to be a joke didn't work today i want to be talking about the imminent or the ontological trinity when you talk to your friends and they say what did you learn about in church say youtube it <laughs> the ontological trinity and the imminent trinity what is god like within god's self what is the nature of god who is god let me tell you that God is infinite. God is triune. God is self-giving love. God is self-creating love. God is love that, that works and lives and exists for the purposes of making community, of redeeming, of recreating, of reforming. That is God's nature. Augustine calls God the lover, the beloved, and the love between them right god is this perfect internatural reality of trinitarian love that is who god is right the only reason you need to understand that is that is why there is something instead of nothing it is natural it is understandable in fact it is required that such a perfect trinity of self-giving love would not limit that love within itself but would instead create an entire creation, a cosmos, infinitely vast, infinitely beautiful, infinitely wonderful for the purpose of not just being, but for existing, for responding, for hearing, for receiving that love, and for responding in kind back to the God that made it. That's why there is something instead of nothing, because God is love, and God is the source of love in each and every one of our lives. God is the reason that self-giving, self-sacrifice, Other loving love is possible. God is the source of it in each and every one of your lives. Having a good day, having a bad day, having an awful day, whether you've heard it or never even thought about it, God is the reason for that love in your life because it's who God is and was and will be. Love is God, is love. John writes, not just for any reason, because the perfect example of that love, the perfect model of that love, the perfect expression of that love is God's own self deigning to dwell amongst us. When we were at our worst, when we were at our farthest away, When we were at our most unforgivable, God did not turn away from us. God did not give up on us. God did not forsake us. The God who is love joined us. Do you understand? Dwelt among us. Do you understand? Came to be with us. Do you understand? Not to drive us away, but to bring us closer and closer and closer, and to say, no matter how hard you try to push me away, to reject me, or to give up on me, I will never turn away from you. That's what John is saying. John, writing to these new Christians, says, understand that, and let that you and let that transform you and let that change you and let that work within you and mess up everything inside of you and replace it with who god would have you be and let that dictate the way that you treat each other because if that isn't happening you haven't received it yet he would say and then he'd say amen and pass the baskets preachers are preachers do you understand do you understand right? So let us love one another. So let that dictate how we treat one another, how we act toward one another, and not just in the year 65, in the ancient Near East, let us change the way that we treat one another in 2017, no matter how hard we are to love, no matter how difficult We are in the workplace, no matter how hard we are in the the family environment, no matter how difficult we are in the neighborhood, right? Let that change the way that we treat each other. We're gonna have a stupid illustration. We're gonna have a long piece of scripture. We're gonna have some really hardcore theology, and then we're gonna have a left turn. So, the natural place to end this sermon, right, is therefore go right? And let that change the way you treat each other, right? Therefore, go and be the light of love in your community, and therefore, go and live and treat everyone in the example of the model of Christ, right? That's a really natural place to end, and that'll preach. I'm your pastor, y'all. I'm in your life. I'm on your Facebook feed. You realize it goes both ways, right? Think about that. <laughs> right? I'm your pastor. I know you. And I know a lot of us are ready, full, and rip and to go, to go out to be the light of God's love in the world. And I know many, many, many more of us came in here today empty. And it doesn't matter how much you believe, or how much you trust, or how many Advent calendars you have in the house, a lot of us came in here today empty because this world takes it out of you. Because being there for your family takes it out of you. Because being there in our workplaces takes it out of you. Because dealing with our elders and their care takes it out of you because dealing with those little thousands of paper cuts inside and outside of your home and your workplace and your community organizations and your neighborhood and your schools and God bless even your churches takes it out of you. And some of you are in this position and you would love nothing more than to give a $2 bill with God bless you to the person standing next to you, but you've got nothing in your hands. Do you understand? In order for you to be the beacon, in order for you to be the good news, in order for you to share the power of God's love with the world around you, you got to get filled up first. If you're empty today, if you're worn out today, if you're beaten up today, if life has taken it out of you today, don't worry about trying to give it away. you got to fill up first. And there's good news there ain't no better time to fill up. There ain't no better time of the year to fill up than now. There is no better time to come to worship and hear the story of the God that loves you so much that God dwelt amongst humanity for you so that you might be saved, so that you might be reclaimed, so that you might be known and loved than now. There's no better time to hear and to sing the songs that say how beloved you are and how wonderful God is than now. There is no better time to pray, to speak, and to listen to the God who knows what it is to be human than now. There is no better time to reach out in big ways and small, in mammoth gifts or cans of food to people in need than now. There is no better way to learn more about the story of who God is and what God has done and to let that change your life than now. There is no better time to stretch out on a limb to put God first and to watch God show up than now. There is no better time to enjoy the goodness of the life that God has given you surrounded by kith and kin than now. I don't even know what kith are, <laughs> but I hear they're great and I'm looking forward to finding some. When you leave this place today and tomorrow and the next day and the next each and every day you will see twinkling lights and each and every twinkling light this season is a message to god from god to you hear my story hear what i'm up to know my presence experience my love and then Watch what that power does to you. Merry Christmas. Let us pray. Great and loving God, this is Advent, the time where we await the coming of our King, the Christ child. You come to dwell among us. Come to take on the flesh of humanity, to redeem us, to reconcile us, to remake us in your image today and tomorrow and every day of our lives. God, this hectic life has this yearning to go out and to give and to serve and to make and to please you and others. And oh God, remind us that until we have received your love, until we have been filled by your presence, until we have received the transformation of your grace in our lives, God, we don't have much to give. So God, those of us who are full, send us out. Send us out to serve and to lead and to proclaim your goodness in the world. And oh God, those of us who are empty, draw us first to your altar. Fill us first with your grace. Show us first the realm of your incarnation, your presence with us through Jesus the Christ, now and forever. And God, let the power of that love transform us to make us your disciples, your followers, your people in the world. And it's O God, through the name of the Son, Jesus the Christ, that we pray all these things, praying the words that he taught us to pray, saying our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation